Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Next Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering five conversations from episode 18, our discussion with endocrinologist Cilial Kausi about intersections between hepatology and endocrinology. Plus, from the vault, conversation 49.3 from season two, one of our first conversations about interaction with our endocrinologist friend, Ken Cousy. This conversation introduces our guest, endocrinologist Cilial Kausi, to listeners. Cilial shares with us how she, as an endocrinologist, became increasingly interested in fatty liver disease and how her dual interest shapes her work today. From here, I go on to describe the overarching questions we aim to cover in this episode, what the interaction between endocrinologists and hepatologists looks like from their relative perspectives, in practical terms, how each approaches care pathways, referrals, and collaboration, and what each specialty needs to learn from the other to be more effective in the treatment of NAFLD and NASH. Bjorn Schottenberg opens the discussion by commenting on the value of deploying the NITs developed by the hepatology community in endocrinology clinics. He notes the practical lingering issues that might hinder uptake and utilization of these tests, impact on patient management, appropriate ways to deal with a positive test result, and how to refer appropriately, particularly if no hepatologist or gastroenterologist is part of the practice. And ask Cyril for advice on motivating endocrinologists to screen for NASH in their at-risk populations. Among other insights, Cyril underscores the importance behind raising awareness with endocrinologist colleagues that patients in routine screening are regularly diagnosed with advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis in the absence of symptoms. In an episode some two years ago, Jeff Lazarus made the statement, and I quote, hepatology cannot go it alone, end of quote. Since then, everything we've learned about the interplay of fatty liver and other metabolic diseases suggests that no specialty can go it alone, given the interplay of organ diseases and the ever-deepening challenges of poor diet and others related to social determinants of health. This episode is just one direction we should all expect to see more of going forward about working together. So just sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. I'm excited about tonight's episode. I guess, Cyril, I first met you... Cyril Kausi. We first met in Barcelona. Yeah, in Barcelona last year, and um, she gave a fantastic presentation at Paris Nash that I was unable to see in person, and we've been trying to get her on the podcast. Originally, this was going to be the week that we talked about NICE and Fiberscan, but that ruling hasn't come down yet. So Cyril was good enough to join us this week, and we'll get to that ruling when there's a ruling to get to. And this should be a fantastic episode. Cyril, welcome aboard. Thank you, Roger. Happy to join the, the podcast. To all of us a favor, for just take a minute or two and tell our listeners a little bit about your history and what you've done in your career to get to where you are now and where you are now. And then after that, I'm going to ask you to tell us, well, do that first, and then I'll have one more question for you. Okay, just a little bit of background. I'm an endocrinologist, uh, diabetologist, and also nutritionist. I'm uh, working in Lyon University in France. I first studied, started my medical school 15 years ago, I guess, and I was very also interested in research, so um, I took a break to do my PhD thesis and then started to get more interested in fatty liver disease. My main focus at the beginning was dyslipidemia and hypertriglyceridemia. And I was really interesting to see that there were no treatment for patients with NAFLD and I wanted to get to know more and more about the disease. And I um, decided that the best way to be trained in this disease was to join a hepatologist. And this is what I did for my uh, postdoc mobility. I joined 
uh, the Napoli Research Center in the University of California, San Diego, and I was very lucky to work with Roy Klumba, where I learned a lot during two years about the disease. And we did some research about imaging biomarkers, how we can uh, identify familial risk of uh, Napoli. And it was two fantastic years. And uh, when I went back to France, I started to build a program focusing on uh, the detection of advanced fibrosis and Napoli in my patient with obesity and type 2 diabetes. So basically, this is how I, short story long, but uh, this is how I get to uh, be uh, an expert in uh, metabolic disease and nephrology especially. Jörn Schattenberg. And she is, Roger. I'm happy to have her on here. Hi, Cyril. Uh, it's, it's a real pleasure. Again, I think I got to know her through her work, UCSD. The twin study was one of the things you've done, I believe, and really high-end scientific research and imaging. And I think we had an unsuccessful grant application soon after you came to the EU, but I've since then followed your work and it's been really a pleasure to cooperate and very happy to have you on the podcast tonight. Yeah, that's right. We, we try to submit. We should try to build more collaboration as well, but uh, definitely, yes. Cyril, you're one of the few people I've heard described as a pato-endocrinologist, which I think is germane given some of the publication you've done and what you work on these days, and that's great. So can you do us one more favor. We ask everyone who comes on for the first time to tell our audience one thing about your background that they wouldn't know or necessarily guess if you didn't tell them. So do you have something you can share with us? I can share a few things. I didn't do a lot of amazing stuff, but probably people doesn't know that uh, I used to be a basketball player during all my childhood and uh, even uh, when I started medical school uh, I was not in the very high league but in, still we were very we were champion in the regional league in uh, in my category so I think well this is one of the little aspects of my uh, story that probably people doesn't know. <laughs> so Jorn you think we should invite Cyril to go one-on-one -on -one with Mazen sometime? You know Mazen Oh yeah that came to my mind immediately that was his story. He, he, was, actually, yeah, yeah. he was a professional basketball player in he was, okay. <laughs> Louise Campbell. But if a vision comes to mind of Surreal holding the ball up and Marzen can't reach. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nureddin. <laughs> Having seen them together and, and, and standing next to each other, then just that would be an entertaining game. Actually, that would be really funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll do this one for charity at some event. That's excellent. So with that, why don't we get started? As, as I think Jorn mentioned, this is, and I mentioned as well, this is an episode we've been looking to do for a while. You know, we've talked a bunch on this podcast about clinical care pathways and about different specialties he's having a role. But this seemed an appropriate week and Cyril seemed an appropriate person with whom to focus on the interplay between endocrinology and hepatology, which I think will be so pivotal in all this moving forward. If you over on Rising Tide, our other podcast, Ken Cousy likes to talk about diabetologists need to get comfortable with fiber scan and um, or endocrinologists need to get comfortable with fiber scan and hepatologists have to be comfortable prescribing GLP-1s. But at a much more basic level, as, as Cyril described, the, the point of juncture between the two and, and, and the area of overlap is only going to grow as we all come to learn more about fatty liver and it becomes more part of medical care. So what our goal today is, is to take a look at that interaction from both sides, both in practical terms, care pathways, handoffs, working together, and then maybe to go back and take a look at areas of knowledge and ask what does each specialty have to teach the other that will make them more effective at what we do. Jorn, I'm going to ask you to start in part because this was your idea in the first place, in part because whenever we talk about clinical care pathways, I always turn to you. So why not now as well? Well, yeah, thanks. And, and again, I think it was the right time to get Cyril on, Elaine, alone to hear um, her thoughts on, you know, developing a joint institute in France is just 
the, the right path forward. And we've discussed on several occasions the need for referral pathways. But what's what's crucial, and Cyril, you're really um, somebody who sets the scene here in, in, in terms of endocrinologist, is to learn from you, well, how can I communicate with my colleagues out there in endocrinology? And what can I tell them on how to use those NITs, which we've developed as a pathology community, which you know very well, but they're not used at this time with the same rigorousness and for a number of reasons. And one might be, you know, does it make a difference in the management of my patient? How could I potentially deal with a positive test? Does it mean I have to refer? Maybe I don't have somebody to refer to. So I think there's a number of practical issues that, from my perspective, hinders colleagues in diabetes practices today to screen for this. I think my first question to you or something we could discuss is maybe how can we overcome these barriers or how to have somebody who hasn't like the knowledge and hasn't started screening for liver disease in his population uh, like you're doing? Who, how could I approach him and what should I, you know, maybe discuss and offer um, for him to be interested in this type of patient identification? The main thing is to, if you want to implement this pathway, you need, both sides need to cooperate and you need to get the endocrinologist on board. We have this discussion saying that we already do a lot of checkup on our patient, especially in patients with type 2 diabetes. There's a yearly checkup that we're doing to check for any diabetes complication. We look at the eye, we look at the kidney function, we uh, do exams for our nervous system uh, checking up. And I think really it's time now to add another organ in the setting of the checkup, which is the liver. And you need to probably show the benefit that there could be for the patient if they know that they have diabetes and nephrology. And most importantly, and I think this is where it can make the difference today, even though we are talking a lot also that there's no treatment. And we did a presentation uh, lately on a symposium showing clinical case where you do see patients that uh, are diagnosed with cirrhosis or even with HCC, whereas they have been followed by endocrinologists and diabetologists for a few years and the liver were, were never checked. They did not have any liver imaging, even do the liver function tests were sometimes mildly elevated. So I think it's where it would be very interesting, you know, to talk about these clinical cases and uh, the fact that if we don't check for the liver, if we don't look at it, we may miss a certain number of patients with advanced fibrosis with compensated cirrhosis that we wouldn't even suspect to have cirrhosis. And this is where the risk of having HCC, the need to go in a screening, the need to see an hepatologist is important in terms of prognosis. So probably it's the first step and one way to interact with endocrinologists. They may not be aware of this risk. They may not be aware that they may think that they would know if a patient has cirrhosis, whereas we definitely see every day, not every day, but in the clinical practice, we do a routine screening for advanced fibrosis. And regularly, we do diagnose patients with advanced fibrosis and cirrhosis, whereas they had no symptoms. So I think it's really one very strong message to bring to the endocrinologist to get them involved and to convince them that at least in the, the yearly checkup, we should perform the FIPRO. And then if it's elevated, now it's very clear that we can, we have many non-invasive tests that we can propose, including a liver stiffness measurement with a fibroscan. And this is something that needs to be done nowadays. So That's a strong message. And let me just uh, file in the others. We had this discussion on a patient that I've seen because there were some abnormal lab values. Um, and he's been under care for quite some time, even in my hospital. It's not like they were outside somewhere where nobody knew about this. I was just, I wasn't involved. And it turned up when I did the staging, the person had HCC in Nash cirrhosis, which went unnoticed for quite some time. So I think this was the case we discussed and we 
both felt that if he would have entered an, a checkup for liver disease at one point, that could have potentially had a different outcome. Now, we, we don't know that for sure, but I think you mentioned a very important point that these patients are actually under care. And with the endocrinologist, this might be the lowest hanging fruit if you want to start in high-risk populations because uh, your colleagues and yourself, you're so experienced in checking on complications. So um, I thought that was a very interesting case indeed. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. Next week, while we are spoiled for choice, we have not decided exactly what topic to cover next week, but I promise you it'll be a good one. So until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now.